Welcome back to the Marriage is Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Philip Thomas. Today is a very special day because we have a very special guest, my sister. Welcome to Marriage is Wealth podcast. So, yeah, we, uh, we, we're supposed to have someone to come on and talk about finances or talk about businesses. Um, just a quick question. Have you ever thought about starting a business? Have you started one on the side I don't already know about or just curious? Um, actually, I have not ever started a business. I did uh, seriously contemplate it at one time and kind of let it go, but I was going to get into the drop shipping business. I'm not sure if okay. anyone knows uh, about that, but basically... Um, you would set up your digital storefront, um, your web page, you would have your products listed, make sure you had some type of shopping cart functionality where the customer could come, interact with your site, place their items in their shopping cart, check out and purchase. That order essentially gets forwarded on to the actual manufacturer of the product. Now you are serving as kind of the middleman. You have now gotten the offer because you have set up the storefront so you're going to forward that on to the manufacturer and the manufacturer is going to ship that product directly from their warehouse to the customer with your label on it as if you sent it. Um, right. So the, the great thing about drop shipping business is that you can make money from it because you already have an existing vendor partnership with the manufacturer. So they're selling it to you at wholesale prices. And you've marked up the price because you have that digital storefront. You've invested your time, money, and effort to have that storefront. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, from there, your customer bought it at your price. You bought it at a lower price. The manufacturer right. gives it to the customer. And you've made 10 to 30% um, um, yeah. income off of that just because of the markup price. Now, people do drop ship with e-commerce, but you can also do a, a level of drop shipping even with a physical storefront where you're getting it from that manufacturer, marking it up and selling it to your customers. So I've thought about doing that as far as um, mm -hmm. bridal tiaras and bridal jewelry. It was the yeah. time that I was getting married because I, I went to so many different wedding stores saying how expensive uh -huh. it is to, to buy a dress, how expensive it is to buy jewelry. And then I happened to do a lot of research and actually found the manufacturer of these things because I'm, I love to research. That's, My family always thinks I'm very how, resourceful. Um, that's so how I found starts. the manufacturer of these items. See, I paid see. their price because mm -hmm. I signed up as if I was a vendor and then yeah. paid the wholesale price. That's how I start because I'm not sure you know that. I probably never shared this with you, but when I talk to my customers, accounts that I manage, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to walk in and help with their shipping and make sure things work out. Oh, you know me. I'm random. I'm I'm Mr. TMI. I want TMI too. So I'm like, how'd you get started? Like I have a customer. He sold flashlights. I'm like, how'd you get started selling flashlights? He said, well, right. when I was a kid, you know, I was really afraid of the dark, and you know, whenever I wanted to buy a really high-powered flashlight, they were just so expensive. They didn't work really well. So I just thought that maybe I could make some sort of contribution to make it not as expensive, sell high quality. You know, it's like you're saying, you couldn't right. find what you needed, so you just kind of feeling a need, feeling a gap. Right, not just, right. Hey, I want to sell something. I need some extra money. I'm, wearing, I'm sitting right. at home with COVID. No, I, I, yeah. you know, I see there's need here and I want to help. Yeah, absolutely. Normally there's the always a story behind the spark. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Delta Sparkle, everybody. <laughs> so that's my line name in case you're wondering. Um, I am a illustrious yeah. member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. I 
I joined 15 years ago, spring 05. So Delta Sparkle was my line name. Uh, my line sisters picked that name for me because they said I had a very sparkly and bubbly personality. And um, I was number 16 on the line out of 24 girls. So hence Delta Sparkle 16. Hey, make that sound because I make the wrong sound. I'm not. <laughs> is, that, is that it? No, that is not <laughs> it. It's ooh. But we're here to talk about marital finance. Oh, oh, ooh. okay. I, yeah, I got your attention span, so that's why I'm hosting. Uh, we can jump. I can jump all around. So now we're gonna jump to finances. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so as I said earlier, my husband and I have been married for ten years. I am not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. Um, I'm just an IT person, you know, I help okay. uh, deliver IT solutions for business problems. But I do want to share with you all uh, um, some lessons learned that my husband and I have, you know, stepped through with challenges, lessons learned and opportunities over the last uh, 10, 11 years. So just kind of want to share some of our learnings and hopefully they're oh, yeah. tips for you all. Um, so getting started, whether you're um, boyfriend, girlfriend, a new couple, whether you're engaged or married, um, it's always very helpful to start your relationship on the right foot with a financial inventory check. At least that's what I like to call it. Um, so wow. think about if you were at a job and you're in a warehouse or a store, people do inventory once a month, right? Or they do inventory once a year. They want to see exactly what they have, what they don't have, and it, it lets them know what they need to order, what they need to have, what they don't need to. Um, so it's the same thing with your finances. So when you're first getting with that person or first married them, you want to know exactly, exactly their financial inventory. You want to know, okay, what's your credit score? This is my credit score. What's the balance of your bank account? What's the balance of your checking account? What's the balance of your savings account? And again, it's, it's a two-way street because you're going to be sharing that same information as well. Um, you also want to look at um, how much debt are you carrying? How many credit cards do you have? Are you buying versus renting? Do you have a 401k? Do you have a life insurance plan? So you want to do that full 360 assessment so that you have all your bases covered because the last thing you want to do is come into the marriage, especially around finances, with any hidden um, items um, you don't want to be untruthful, you know, you don't want to essentially pull the wool over your, your mate's eyes and then eventually that wool come back to bite you and rear its ugly head at the right time when creditors yeah. are calling or your car is getting repossessed. So honesty is always the best policy, especially regarding finances. Um, so like I said, do that full inventory check, even including in what's your 401k balance. And so once yeah. you do that full inventory check, Next, what you want to do is start to set goals together. You want to set goals as a couple financial goals, and then you also want to set individual financial goals. Let's go back. I said about maybe two minutes when you're talking about the inventory check things. So I think you got, we got to think about why people are not doing that. So what do you say to couples where they're married or in a regular relationship if they're too embarrassed to share the credit score, too embarrassed to share the amount in the, in the checking account to embarrass to share if they don't know what the hell a 401k is. So what do you say to those people who are in love? Yeah. So I think it's two ingredients and I hit on one of them was honesty and the other is acceptance, you know, unconditional acceptance. So if I'm going to be brave enough to be honest with you about exactly where I am and where I am not, you know, I expect you as a spouse or a mate to have enough respect for me 
to accept exactly where I am. This is where I got myself before I got with you. So no judgment, no oh. condemnation. But now that we're together, let's work on this together. Let's build together. This is exactly what we came to the table with. I'm being honest. Let's not focus on where we are. Let's focus on where we want to be. So honesty that, that's acceptance. It. That's it right there. I think people, if you're too embarrassed or you feel uncomfortable with sharing all this stuff with someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, you know, what you just said right there. Yeah. That, that, that's it right there. Acceptance. Absolutely. The other person needs to show they're willing to accept you because that's the reason why a lot of people are not doing it because we need to do it. Yeah. Why not doing it? Yeah. And acceptance isn't um, an excuse to continue doing what you were already doing. You know, yeah. it's, you know, I've been honest with you. You accept this and now we're walking forward. It doesn't mean I can just kind of lean back on it three years down the road because I did some of the same things. Even if you were, still be honest about it and, and you know, talk about it and talk about what happened, what does what needs to happen from there. But it's still no mm -hmm. excuse for, you know, the behavior that, you know, you were having on the front end. Um, so once you have that tough conversation, because it is a tough conversation, um, mm -hmm. even if you feel like your finances are good and then somebody else brings theirs to the table and theirs are better, then you feel like, oh, gosh, you know, so it, it's a tough conversation. So, you know, approach it with a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of patience. Um, so once you get through that yeah. first milestone of that financial inventory check, now what you want to do is start to set some goals together. OK, it is okay. what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Where do we want to be? Um, mm. And so we want to look at where do we want to be as a couple? What do I need to do on my end to get me there and get us there? What do you need to do on your end to get you there and to get us there? Because it's now a joint effort from here on out. Um, right. And so I may need to pay off this credit card. He may need to pay off this student loan. It's doing what you need to do on your individual ends because it's going to come mm -hmm. together. Right. Um, and so once you also work into setting those financial goals, uh, a big one is starting to have a monthly budget and be intentional about updating that budget, tracking it to the nth degree mm -hmm. um, to make sure you have accuracy there. And also right. on your budget, include due dates because due dates is what trips a lot of people up because okay. they've missed uh, the date that that credit card was due. They missed the payment date of when that student loan was due. And now, they have a late fee and now interest is going to spike because of it. Yeah. So you want to have exactly who you owe, what day you owe them, what amount you owe them. And because I'm IT, I am all for automation. Sign up for um, not only paperless billing, but sign up for automatic billing if you can and if you feel comfortable with that. Because that's definitely going to enable you, a person like me who gets to be forgetful, that's going to enable you to hit all of those target dates on time. Um, you can even sign up through your bank account for them to mail a paper check. The thing is you have to be intentional and purposeful on the front end of putting in all that information, plugging in the dates and setting yeah. up everything. It's kind of a front end loading. You do the work on the front end. So you reap the results on the back end. Um, yeah. So have that budget, have those due dates, have your plan update it frequently. We update our budget on a monthly basis, but if you're just getting started, you may need to hold yourself accountable on a weekly basis or bi-weekly until you get to a point where you feel like you're financially fit. You know, some people may not be able to have those automatic payments coming in. Some people may need to kind of, I want to say exhaust. Some people may need to 
stretch the grace period a little bit. I've been there before. So what I've done was I created a spreadsheet, bills for the 15th out of the 15th check, bills out of the 30th check. And so I look at all the bills that I pay out of the 15th check, and I know, and I put in exactly what date I have to pay that bill by. Not the grace period, but that date. Right. So my point is, if you're going to pay your bills yourself and not have it automatically done, make sure you hold yourself accountable as best you can until you can get to the point and have stuff on automatic payments. Yeah. Because what's scary is, if you're not at that level yet, and all of a sudden you sit with some friend, you chill, and all of a sudden you get this text, thank you for your payment. Pay, pay what? Who I pay? $100? Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? That's a scary thing. So if you do, when you do set yourself self, self up for these automatic payments, just write it down. Put it, even if you don't know how to use Excel, get a Word document. Just have some place in which you list all your bills that you pay out of your first check and your second check, or you pay in general. And it's specifically, mainly, most important, the actual due date. And do, go ahead and call them. Get familiar with the grace period. Figure out when that is. But don't take advantage of that. Try to pay on the due date. But until you can get to the point, when you get to the point, they can get like you were talking about right there. Reach out to the bank. Bank's in a check. Have it automatic if you want to track it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so I would just encourage anyone, don't even lean on that grace period. Sometimes yeah. companies give that five-day grace. Sometimes they don't. Um, right. But you bet your bottom dollar they're going to charge you, you know, if, if you're past a certain date. And so yes. if you are having or going through a tough time where you can't meet dates, call your creditor on the front end. They're a lot more flexible than what you know. Okay. If you call them and tell them your story, they're people too, you know. It's another human on the other end of that line. And tell them, hey, I, I can't make the 15th. This is happening. I know that. I can't make that. the 18th. They will grant you a temporary provision to pay on the 18th this month, even though it's normally due on the 15th. So communication is key about your finances with your partner and with your creditors because again they're people too they're just <laughs> expecting their end of the cut yep. so if you can communicate right to them that. on the front end instead of the back end they're more willing to you know give you great communication right communication right absolutely mm -hmm. um so let's see here uh other than budget, what you got there you, what you got there what you, you got what you got there <laughs> i just I got some keywords like I no i just huh? got some keywords so i wouldn't forget some of the things that i wanted to share out um, so with your budget, you want to approach it from a 50-30-20 rule. And this is something you can Google. It's widely known. This is an approach that many people uh, take when um, starting to um, lay out their budget. 50%, you want to make sure that your monthly expenses do not exceed 50% for your essential needs, right? And so your essential needs are child care, your rent or mortgage, your car payment, um, your electricity bill, all of your utilities, those are your essentials. Make sure that from what you're bringing into the house, those essentials do not cross that 50% threshold. And if they are, you may want to rework, okay, well, the cable, do I really need the ultimate premium plan for cable? Do I really need the ultimate premium plan for internet or whatever? Um, so you may want to scale back on some of that. Make sure you're turning off the lights when you leave to uh, go out to work. So, you know, help doing things to help reduce those utility bills. So 50% for your essential needs. And then for the 30 part, your 30 is your wants. So this is things that you don't need, but it's something that you want that enhances your life. A gym membership, going to the spa, getting massages. 
um, going out to see a movie, going on a date night. So those are your wants. So you want to budget uh, in a, such a way that line up all the things you want to do this month and make sure they do not exceed 30% of your income. And then the last 20 is savings and debt. So savings and debt for 20%, this is your credit card, your student loans, but not only on the debt part, on the savings part, making sure you're putting a healthy portion to your savings account every single yes. month. You might want to target 5% or 1%, even if you're starting small. It's okay to start small. You build up. When I first started saving as a single girl, I was only saving $25 per paycheck, okay, $25. And even though it was such a small amount, by the time I graduated college, I leaned on that $25 per month because it had added up to almost a thousand. And I now had a down payment for my new apartment because a lot of times with a new apartment, they want the monthly rent plus an extra uh, month yeah. for deposit. So I now had that money. So be, be, you know, generous and patient with yourself. Don't judge yourself that even it's just $25 a month, do what you can, but make a start and be consistent. Hell State. We both missed the state, baby. Hell State. Hell State. Where cowbell? Where cowbell at? Uh, it's in the living room. <laughs> I thought it was on your desk right there. We're weird, baby. My my sister, she's an actor too. She just she's a little shy right now, but she's an actor too. Now she has a lot of drama. <laughs> Like schools and stuff, a lot of plays and stuff. She, she you know, she can learn some lines. Oh, that was my back, agent out here too. That was my, agent my former life. You see a uh, TDH talent right there. Yeah. Okay. That's my agent, Tanya. Hey, Tanya, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah on Tanya's page. Yeah, you see me on Tanya's page, booked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's about finance right now. You yeah, no problem. Back. So also, um, as part of your financial plan, what you're wanting to do is set milestones. You're wanting to set uh, short-term milestones, uh, midways, and then long-term milestones. And with those um, short-term or small milestones, those are my favorite because that's when I can set like an easy, realistic goal. And I always like to say, celebrate wins and celebrate them often and early so if you made a goal of hey i want to contribute to my savings account at least three months in a row and you hit that hey reward yourself i'm now yeah. gonna go out and go to a movie and order that extra popcorn because it's super expensive at the movies these days okay. so you want to do something that rewards yourself to make you feel like hey i've accomplished something i can do this so don't look at so much like I want to save $2,500. Look at I just want to save $25 consistently for three months. Because something that I always tell myself is how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite yeah. at a time. So <laughs> okay, you can't okay. focus on that whole big picture yeah. right now. Focus on that one bite at a time because that's going to help you build up your strength and endurance and give you that motivation to keep going low-hanging fruit and sales we call that low-hanging fruit yes absolutely absolutely um let's see i jotted down just a couple other things um yeah so also when you're looking at your finances and your budget uh you want to work it in such a way not just the 50 30 20 rule but you also want to look at your debt to income ratio so debt to income ratio is how much debt you're carrying versus how much money are you bringing to the table and if you're ever applying for a mortgage or a car, you bet your bottom dollar the banks are going to look at your debt to income ratio to see, can you actually afford this monthly payment? And so with your debt to monthly income ratio, you want to make sure that 
uh, what, what's good is 15% or less. So when I balance the amount of debt over the amount of income and um, do the calculations as a fraction, if it's less than 15%, that's great. That's a great debt to income ratio. If you're between 15 to like 20, 25%, that's good. You've got some room for improvement, but you're not bad. Um, and then if it's over 25%, that's caution. Like that's danger. Like you're carrying way too much debt. Um, and then lastly, what I want to leave everyone is with the cardinal rule. This is age old. Spend less than you earn. If you spend less than you earn, you will always be in good shape. So that that's my closing thought. Hey, everybody. Uh, Philip Thomas, uh, you know, uh, marriage is wealth. I almost forgot for sure I'm on here. <laughs> Thank you for joining in. Uh, but more than happy to have you again. You okay with that? Hey, let me know anytime. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining. Y'all have a great weekend. Take care. Take care. Be safe. That's right. Wear your mask. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, if you like what you heard on this episode of Marriage is Wealth Podcast, make sure you guys go to Instagram at Marriage is Wealth. Click the link in our bio and register for our university. It is launching on March 20th, 2021. We will have courses on financial planning, budgeting, credit, and more.